Well, good morning, 360 family. Uh, I, I remember the, singing that song when I first came to Christ almost 37 years ago. And uh, it seems like it has not lost that, that simple uh, yet sobering commitment to say, I'm following Christ. And today, uh, those words for us uh, have a special meaning if you have made that commitment in your heart. If you're looking for God and haven't had that chance to make that commitment, that still may be a question for you, and that's why part of the song says, well, you decide to follow Jesus. Following Christ is not a religious decision. It is not because you happen to agree with the, the tenets of Christianity over the, over the tenets or the principles or the bullet points of other religions. It really is a commitment of the heart and an exchange of life. So you exchange your old life and you get a new life for Christ. There's so much involved in that. Every Sunday morning we come together as followers of Christ. Some are searchers for Christ. We're all here together. And uh, we have a common purpose, and that is to find our meaning and our significance in God and God alone. And today, we continue this conversation that we started last week, and we're looking at a moment in history that was pivotal. Uh, by a, an older man now, we've tracked with this man throughout his life. His name is Joshua. After the five first books of the Bible, we, Joshua then has a book dedicated in his name. He began that book as a young successor of Moses, and he had big shoes to fill. And then through the course of especially the first half of this book, there are 24 chapters in this book and the first 12 chapters, it is a book of battle. It's a book of combat. It is a book of conquest. And so when he comes to the end of his life, last week we saw that he lived to be 110 years old. At the end of his life, he begins to challenge the people because he, like Moses, at the end of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible, Moses' last, uh, last writing, he understood that he was to encourage and inspire and charge and challenge the people because, like anyone else, his time on earth was done. It is a riveting speech, and it is not a politically correct speech. What I mean by that is that he doesn't hold anything back. This is what I like about some of the leaders that we find in the Scripture. He's not, he's not going to soft-shoe it, and he's going to uh, put his old 110-year-old bony finger right in their chest, and he does it because he loves them. He does it because he's walked with them for many years, and he knows their propensity. He knows their tendencies. And because of that, he loves them enough to give them a charge that's going to last. This was not a time just to be nice. It was not a time to be soft. And in this charge that he has towards the people that he has come to love, we see the, the true heart, I believe, of God. Today, we're going to look at something I believe that he not only left with words, but he left with a reminder. And our culture is, is full of reminders. Uh, we, we have on our uh, currency here in the United States, thankfully, in God we trust. It's still there. 
and it still reminds us, and there's a, there's a tension in our culture, is it not, to remove these reminders. We are an open culture. That means that we respect uh, religions of, of, around the world, and so they also, in this country, have a right to express themselves freely, as we do as Christians. But I do believe that it is important for us to not lose those reminders. Last summer, I uh, had a training in Virginia uh, and with our discipleship tools, and uh, I wanted to tag on to that a little bit of a family time. So I, I brought my family with us because we were training near Washington, D.C. My kids had never been there. I grew up in Virginia. And I and so it was a it was a common uh, you know field trip to go to D.C. And so since we live so many miles away, I wanted our kids to experience that. And so I wanted them to see, even though they may not fully appreciate it, I wanted them to see the the memorials in in our country. I wanted them to see the the Vietnam memorial and the and the World War II and one memorials and to walk through those. We got there. I I. I would have normally taken a picture of this one incident, but I decided out of respect not to. I could see this man who probably fought in Vietnam, and he was leaning up against the, you know, the, the wall, probably a, a, a friend or a family member, and the, the memory was etched truly in his face and in his expression. And I just wanted to capture that so bad, but I thought, no, it would be disrespectful, but I, but, so I didn't. And in that moment, I was reminded the purpose of these memorials. The purpose of the memorials is that these blocks of stone with names that are etched in are there because someone believed, and probably a group of someones believed, that there was something so significant in history that they wanted them to speak to future generations not to forget. Even though there, there are flaws in every uh, every battle, we know that. We know that there, there, th this is a human experience. Uh, leaders, presidents, prime ministers are not perfect. We look past that. We look at the effort and the allegiance of those who have given their lives. And it is appropriate to have these monuments that speak, literally speak throughout history to remind us, don't forget don't forget the effort. Amidst the, the imperfection, don't forget the allegiance. Don't forget the sacrifice. Don't forget the families. Don't forget everyone that was involved. And so as we approach this last chapter of Joshua and his last speech, he sets up a monument. I'm going to call it today some rocks of allegiance. And so when we begin to look today, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 24. We're going to hover there. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to take them out. Perhaps you have a Bible on your device. Otherwise, the, the, uh, the words will be up on the screen. He begins with this challenge because they have said, we as a people, we can do more together. That is the, that is the theme of our conversations these days. And they say, we will serve the Lord. We will make that commitment uh, collectively, publicly, historically. We're, we're putting our stake down and we're singing together. We have decided to follow our God. That's what they sang that morning. 
Joshua steps up to the podium and he says, no, you won't. Kind of just took the fun right out of the party. <laughs> if I stepped up to the plate uh, this morning and uh, after we just sang, I have decided to follow Jesus and my first words were like, no, you won't. No, you haven't. It'd be a little riveting, right? It would be almost rude, wouldn't it? It would definitely be politically incorrect to have those words. But see, Joshua knew who they were, and he had been with them and had seen their erratic allegiance over decades. And I think he's trying to challenge them to question that allegiance, is it real or not? And his technique is riveting, and I like that, because he's saying, hey, let's wake up. Let's not just sing a, a song and feel good about ourselves. This is a serious commitment with a serious purpose, with a serious consequence when we say, I have decided to follow my God. In verse 19 of Joshua 24, here's the record of, of history. Joshua stepped up to the podium, and he said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. Wow, thanks a lot. Super encouraging. Came for an inspirational message, and there it was. And he says, because let me tell you that this allegiance that you've made, this, this verbal commitment that you have made is a serious one. Why? Because God is a holy God, and he is a jealous God. You see, when you look at those words, jealous God, you think, hey, I thought God was like love and shepherding and all those. He is. But someone who is jealous is deeply in love with the other person. If someone, is, if I don't love a person, I don't care. You can do whatever you want. I'm not jealous over you. And when we see God and he's saying, I love you so much and you're making this commitment and I'll be jealous if you take your ring off. I'll be jealous if you walk away from me. I'll be jealous if you're kind of committed to this marriage, I'll be jealous if you're saying one thing on Tuesday and doing something different on Wednesday. And they snap back, and they, but the people said in verse 21 to Joshua, no, exclamation point. We will serve the Lord, and the mission was accomplished because Joshua was saying, this is serious, and I'm challenging you. And they said, no, we'll do it, we'll do it. And when I see those, the two wings on the airplane, if someone says you can't do it because God's jealous and he's, this is serious, and then, no, we will do it, it, it represents the trench in which we struggle. Everyone in the room says, man, yes, I want to serve God. And then there's this other part that says, well, you can't do it perfectly. There's part of us that says, yes, I want to serve God, but then there's this thing called busyness. And then there's this thing called uh, clutter. And there's this thing called laziness. And there's this thing called, and all the things that every single human being in this room experiences. There's no one of us that have it perfect. And it represents, in compassion, this, this tension and so what happens in this moment is that Joshua says, okay, then let me help you out here. And again, he does it in a way that is intense. He does it in a way that he says, let me set up some things that will remind you and hold you accountable like a rock of allegiance, like a monument in this moment. 
And then he says, so he says, in the next verse, in Joshua chapter 24, verse 22, he says, Joshua says, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. And they said, yes, we are witnesses. In other words, it's the Miranda rights. Anything that you say will, can, and will be held against you in a court of law. The first monument of memory, the first thing that's going to hold them accountable is their very words. Okay, this is scary. It's scary because he says the words that you speak are creating a monument that will come back to which you'll be held accounted for. Okay, who in the room has kids and you said you'd get the ice cream cone after you get out of here, but then you're tired, something happens, you ran out of gas, and whatever the thing is, and you didn't get the ice cream cone, and what are your kids going to say? You said so. <laughs> you're being held accountable by the words that you said. You're, and, and this is a moment of tension, and no matter how you try to explain the reasons, you know, the, the two back tires fell off our car. Uh, we got trampled by a stampede of cattle. It don't matter because you said so. <laughs> if you say something in an interrogation room and you don't have your lawyer, it don't matter because you already said it. And what Joshua is getting at is that the words that we speak the words that we sing are being collected as monuments that will hold us accountable. Is that scary or what? You might have heard the name A.W. Tozer. Tozer said, and he was, he was like Joshua. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. And he said, you know, we, don't, we would never think about lying in church. We just sing lies. Okay, let's pray. That's enough. That's enough for that. <laughs> it's a riveting moment when you start seeing patterns in the, in, in the Scripture. Here's Joshua in the last chapter in the, of his life. And as a, as a man who stood in the last chapter and listened to his teacher, Moses, do the same thing, at the end of Deuteronomy, at the end of Moses' life, Moses did the same thing. Moses said, hey, we're going to write a song together, a worship song together in Deuteronomy 31, ending near. If you don't know the Bible, it's ending near Moses' life, ending near the, the first five books of the Bible, which is attributed to Moses. And so at the end of that, Joshua, who hasn't taken control yet, who's still the young man, still the young protege, he's standing there watching his teacher who, he, who was deemed the, the most humble man in the world by God. And he's seeing this aged man, 120 for Moses, and he's saying, I, before I leave, I want to I say something to you. In De Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 22, 21-22, and he says, we're going to write a song and the song is found, by the way, in Deuteronomy 32, for those of you who like to go back and study. Moses says at the end of his life, when many disasters and difficulties come upon them, the people, this song 
the song that they sang will testify against them, will hold them accountable, will remind them of their commitment because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. My son is in the room. The first thing I said to you today was I sang this song 37 years ago. I'm hoping that my son sees in me with all my flaws, just once a month I have a flaw, (laughs) with all my flaws and all my imperfections, at least my heart is still leaning in that I have decided to follow Christ. And my hope and prayer is 37 years from now that he also will be singing that commitment, that these words, they mean something. We're not here just to sing birthday songs. We're not here just to sing Christian songs that that feel neat, and, and we're singing songs of commitment that are etched as monuments that hold us accountable. That's how serious it is. Would it be better if that commitment were not there that you don't sing? Maybe. You might think about it. Moses goes on to say this song will testify against them because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. Why? Here it is. I know what they are disposed to do. I look in the mirror and I say, I know what I'm disposed to do. I know my tendencies. I know my erratic allegiance at times. I know that. Listen, and I need reminders. It's a sobering message, but we need these reminders. This is the importance of gathering. This is why, you know, sometimes there's an average, the average attendance of American Christians is 1.5 times a month or something like that. And I'm like, hey, let's not give in to that. Let's remind ourselves and challenge ourselves that coming to church is not about just, you know, dressing up, although some of us don't, but, <laughs> and, 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 you know, singing. So it's much more than that. It's hearing the word of God again. It's hearing each other sing again. It's reminding ourselves that when I surveyed the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, these are the moments that we come together and remind ourselves it's important. I I drink a smoothie every morning of my life. Would I love to have something else? Some days I would. But I remind myself this is healthy, this is good. It's a discipline. He says to, in verse 22, uh, uh, even, let's back up. He says, I know what you're supposed to do. Even before I bring them into the land that I promised on, them on oath. So Moses wrote down that song that day, and he taught it to the Israelites. I have decided to follow our God. The Lord gave this command to Joshua the son of Nun, as he stood there in that moment with Moses. He hadn't even taken the baton yet. Be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land. I promised them on oath, and I myself will be with you. What an historic moment. Let me read a verse, uh, a sentence from Jesus and you make up your own mind. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 
36, Jesus said, but I tell you that men and women will have to give an account on the day of assessment, on the day of judgment, for every careless word they have spoken. That means words that were just thrown out without meaning. Let's move on to the other next inspiring monument, shall we? <laughs> All right, let me, let me hold up because I can feel the tension in the room here. Look, what we're being called to here is the importance of what we do and the importance of what we say to remind ourselves this is really critical. I've told this uh, uh, before, but in case you, you forgot or didn't hear it, I, in my office I have monuments and the reminders of, of things to me. My father worked in the same place. He, he worked uh, in the mountains. And we could have lived in the mountains and it would have been a lot easier for Dad. But he wanted us in a, to, to go to good schools. Uh, we were... If you have an economic bracket, lower middle class. And dad was willing to drive 100 miles a day, every day, for 40 years so that we could go to schools in the bigger city rather than way up in the mountains. 100 miles every day. Not only that, because he needed some extra money, he had five other riders in his car. That means he went to their homes, five different homes, and he left every day at 5.45 a.m., and he came back like clockwork every day at 5.45 p.m. And he went to all these five homes. Whether it was snowing, raining, freezing, my dad did that. They would give him pens uh, for every uh, decade that they worked at this company, a little cheap plastic, bronze-looking <laughs> pen with a Roman numeral on it. So when you work 10 years, you got an X. When you work 20 years, you got two Xs. And so I have my dad's pen, and it has the, hmm, it has the number 40. And I've put it in my, uh, on my wall, and then I put, surrounded by it is his wedding band because that represents 50. I will not allow the memory of his faithfulness to be forgotten. You see? This is the allegiance that the God who, as much as I love my dad, which you can tell very deeply, this is, God's love is so much deeper for you and he's saying, the words that you sing to me and the words that you, are, they're keepers and they matter. Then Joshua does something phenomenal here in the, in the, next, uh, in the next verse in Joshua 24, verse 24. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. And on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people and there at Shechem, I want you to file that location, there at Shechem, he drew up for them the decrees and the laws. And Joshua recorded 
all these things in the book of the law of God. What's stunning about that is that Moses went up on the mountain. He got the book of the law from God, which we now have as the first five books. How in the world did anybody know about creation? Because Moses spent time with God, and God was dictating it to him, and he brought it down, and everybody had, this was the book of the law. And Joshua was adding now to that. That is a phenomenon. And he was writing all these things down in the book of the law, and it became the second monument, not only the words that they were speaking, but he said, this is going not in the book of history, but this is going in the word of God, and that's why we have it right now. And so what he's saying to us is that there is this plumb line, this monument that holds us accountable, and it is the Bible. It is the word of God, as we know. We call it the Bible, but it is the word of God. Why is this critically important? You and I so well know that the lines get fuzzier and fuzzier and fuzzier as culture goes forward as to what is right, what is wrong, what is God's heart, what is not God's heart, et cetera, et cetera. Even as we operate and do more together, we must be reminded because there is this contamination in our culture called uh, independence, individualism. I spoke last uh, week right after this service. Uh, 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 someone came up to me. His name is Tim. Tim came up to me. Uh, Tim, I don't know if you may be in the room today. And he said, my son is in Navy SEALs. He's a Navy SEAL. And he said, here's the first thing that they do in Navy SEAL training, which is very intense, as, you, as you know, most of you know. And he said, the first thing that we do, that they do in Navy SEAL training is to break down individualism because they recognize that they cannot do more together if there are just 12 individuals rather than one team. Listen, the word of God is the great equalizer. Rich, poor, men, women, young, old, it's the great equalizer. It equalizes us because it is, the, it is truth, and truth is like a monument. No one is going to, uh, to D.C. today and uprooting the Jefferson Memorial and, or, or the Washington Monument or, you know, and moving it a block down. That doesn't happen. And those monuments are there, and they're, they're, they have that rock solidness, that rock of allegiance. And in this culture, what I want to say in the context of what we're talking about, doing more together, is that we do have to allow the Word of God. I have to allow the Word of God to chisel away at my individualism so that we can do more together. There is, I, I have so many conversations with our worship pastor and our discipleship pastor, Clay Barnett, about generation uh, tendencies generational tendencies. And there's sometimes we pick on the millennials, don't we? And I'm, I'm going to do it too. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Let me pick on my generation, the boomers. Here's the tendency of the boomers. The boomers wanted to live in the house that our parents worked for all their lives. We wanted to live in that house when we were 22. Thus the bubble. We'll just do it on credit. I want the big house, and I don't want to pay for it, and I want it to be on credit, and the, and the credit, 
our generation, we don't have, we, we got enough rocks to throw at ourselves before we start picking on the millennials. And this is, this is we, we have created this kind of mess and we have to at times to say, hey, you can't have it all and you can't have it all now. I grew up in this, this a culture with this, this uh, synthetic word, it's called layaway, remember that? <laughs> Some of you are like, lay a what? <laughs> There's this thing that's happening that we have to allow the word of God to penetrate. That we say, well, this is just our culture. This is our generation. And if you study history, everybody had a thing. Everybody had a thing. You can go back to the 1700s. They had a thing. Uh, there, were t- there were times in history that... Uh, that um, like post-Civil War, the, uh, the, the alcoholism was just rampant. And that's why, you know, you come into the prohibition. There are reasons for these historical moves. Every culture has the same. We can't think that we're so special, that we got this special thing. Every culture has because we're humans. I mean, we're reading ancient history here, and they had a thing. And Joshua said we must allow the word of God to dictate and be our rudder not our individualism and our cultural nuances and and generational things. We must allow the word of God. And the word of God says we must be together. We must serve together. We must have allegiance. We must give our hearts. We must give our time. We must give up something in order to do more together. This is what Joshua was was saying. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, I think we, we talked about it about a month ago. One of our greatest challenges here in our own culture for all of us is freedom. We have so many choices. And as a pastor now of many years, I can say that one of the greatest obstacles to serving the Lord and doing more together is the clutter that our culture has created. We thought technology would allow us to work till 2 in the afternoon and take the rest of the day off. And what we're finding is it's keeping us up until 11 because that stupid thing keeps dinging. <coughs> and we got to return a text within a certain amount of minutes. Like, did you get my text? <laughs> and it's created this, like, this burden on us, hasn't it? And this freedom, is, which is wonderful, is also dangerous. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 Paul says, you, my brothers, together, it's talking collectively, and he's talking to a a local church, we're called to be free spiritually. But do not use your freedom to indulge in self-centeredness, in the sinful nature, but rather, there it is, serve one another. Serve one another. I'm going to challenge you today. This was written to a local church. I'm going to challenge you today. I I gave you fair warning last week. I'm going to challenge you today to say this, if this is your family, if this is where God has planted you, find a way, find a way in this cluttered culture to do your part in this family. Don't allow the freedom of, of choice to clutter the commitment that the word of God calls us to, to serve one another in the local church. 
Finally, there's something of great phenomena that happens here in the next, uh, in the next uh, monument. This is the final monument. There's the monument of our words that hold us accountable. There's the monument of the Bible that holds us accountable amidst our culture. And then he does this, this final thing. It's crazy. And we're go- I'm just going to give you a little bit this week. I'm going to dive in a little deeper in, the, in this next week. But watch what he does. Then in verse 26, verse 26, the second half of verse 26. Then Joshua took a large stone. And he set it up there under the oak. He didn't say under an oak tree, under the oak tree. I'm going to tell you why. Beneath or near the holy place of the Lord. And he says, see, he said to all people, this stone will be a witness against us. And, and that sounds negative. What he's saying is, it's going to remind us that every time we walk past this stone and every time our children walk past this stone and every time our future grandchildren walk past this stone, it's going to say in this moment, we sang together. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's what they did. I love this moment. In other words, they just, you know, they didn't say, hey, it's been a good meeting, hasn't it? Let's sing a song and go home. They were saying, man, we've made a historic commitment here. This stone will hold us accountable throughout history. And watch this. The stone, this inanimate object, has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. The rock heard it. It's almost insulting. <laughs> If you didn't get it, at least these rocks did. Doesn't it remind you when Jesus said, hey, if you want to praise me, no problem. These, these stupid rocks will. And watch this. It, what's it? The rock will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Let me give you a little bit of just an, an appetizer, an appetizer maybe for next week. As we look into this, why did he say the oak? This this oak tree, this moment, this intersection in Shechem, there were some massive decisions made in that same spot. Abraham was called in that spot. Jacob gave up all his gods at that spot. It was an historic place on the map. And there they stand in history. And he said, hey, we're going to set up a stone to remind us, listen carefully, that we are part of a long history. And so are you. Let's say Christ doesn't come back until the year 3000. I don't think we can wait that long. I don't think the world is going to wait that long, to be honest with you. Let's just say it. What you're doing in 2019 matters to those who will live 50 years from now. And I know, hey, you're going to get in your car, you're going to go home, and you think, I'm just an average guy. No, you're, you're, you're not. You are a committed follower of Christ, and it matters what we do in a world where lines get fuzzy and commitment is erratic. For the world to see those who say, 
I have decided to follow Jesus, and I really, really mean it. And I'm willing for those words to hold me historically accountable. I'm willing to follow where the word of God is being eroded in our culture. I'm willing to allow this to be my map, my GPS, my rudder, my plumb line. I'm allowed to, and I want us together to say we can do more together if there is a spirit of allegiance versus a spirit of individualism. Does it make sense? You might have noticed we started building a wall. <laughs> Thought we'd just go there. And you know who will go down in the history books as the wall builder? Who? No, Nehemiah. I'm not saying it's Trump, for heaven's sakes. What's wrong with you people? You know the rocks heard what you just said, by the way. So we thought about, hey, let's do a visual. A visual of, uh, uh, yeah, someone said I love visuals. I do too. I, lo I love visuals. And so what we're going to do, these, these are kind of buildable pieces, and they, they you know, kind of slide in. And so when you came in today, hopefully you got a, uh, a, a handout, and inside that says we can do more together. And we thought, wouldn't it be neat for us to visually see, because there's more people serving and more open doors for you to serve than you might know. And we're trying to do, uh, to being honest with you, doing a better job at creating clear ramps. It kills me when some people say, man, I tried and I couldn't, I'm like, ah, I hate that. So we're trying to do our, we're imperfect too, um, uh, but you know, we're trying to make a clear path. So this card that is in your handout, if you didn't get one, we can get you one. It's just places where you can say, hey, I'd really like to step in. We realize that some of you guys are not here all year round. No problem. We would love to, to have you serve with us, to, to say we can do more together. We realize that some of you are busy. We have some opportunities that you can do during the week or, you know, uh, uh, on, on a Sunday or whatever that might be. And you might have questions about some of these things. But so I'm, I'm going to say if you're serving already, I'm asking you to fill one of these out because for every person serving in our in our uh, church, we're going to put uh, a new slat, and we're going to, I don't even know how to say it other than build a wall. <laughs> and our staff meetings were like, how can we say it other than saying build a wall? I'm like, I'm not playing that game. We're building a wall. And so, um, so we're going we're gonna to kind of create this massive thing where we say, hey, we're serving together. Over in our uh, children's ministry, uh, for example, uh, our our children's director, Candace Burke, has done, she does such a phenomenal job. Each of our staff does a phenomenal job. Yes, all right. And it, it takes literally an army for, our, for our, the mission field of our, of our children. And so everybody, we, this, is a, this is a wall of honor. This is a wall that speaks. And maybe you stand at the front door. Maybe you come on Wednesday nights. Maybe you want to. And it's not going to be a wall of shame, although I could turn it into that. <laughs> and so I'm inviting you, if you've served somewhere or you're serving somewhere, 
in our local church or through our local church. Maybe you're, maybe you're in a ministry in the community through, through 360. Say La Freedom Pregnancy Center, please. This, that, that is part of the team here. And uh, just turn these in. And if you have questions about any of this, there's a table out there. You know, here's why we do this. Like, hey, are you trying to manipulate us? Yes. Uh, of course not. Some of you are like, hey, not right now. I, 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 that, you know, everybody's on, a, everybody's on a journey. But we don't want to overlook those of you that say, man, I, I've been waiting for somebody to ask. I've been, I really been, I want this, I want to be a part. And so if you know anything about me, I'm not one to just get up and talk about concepts. It's, re, it's about reality. Following Christ is about reality and about tangible, touchable things. This is not just about, uh, let's just talk about concepts, feel good about ourselves, and go home. It's almost like I've decided to follow Jesus, really. I really want that to, I really want to serve. I really want to do more together. Joshua looked at them eye to eye on that morning when he spoke to them. He didn't hold back. I'm trying to picture what he would even look like at 110 years old. Probably strong as an ox because we, we knew at 85 in Joshua 14, at 85 years old, he was still strong as an ox and still ready to go to war. He was not a feeble man. He was a man where history and hardship was etched on his face. So he had a voice with them. And he understood their struggles. And he understood their busyness. And he understood the difficulty of allegiance. And he got that. And yet, he still challenged them. Because he understood that life would only be meaningful when they had that kind of allegiance. And I think his ancient words still hold true as a rock of allegiance. Let's pray. You call us, God, to be aware of the words we speak and sing. You call us, God, to be aware and have allegiance to the words that you have spoken. And you call us, God, to do more together. There is not a page in the Scripture where you did not call people together. Nations, tribes, clans, families, churches. It was all about accomplishing your assignment together. The last thing we want to do, God, today is come and hear something inspirational and walk out unchanged. The last thing we want to do, God, today certainly is to come in and, and speak allegiance but not live allegiance. And so, God, for, for those who are willing, we're going to allow this politically incorrect speech from Joshua today to penetrate any of the oversensitivity that we might have because we'd rather hear something real than something just inspirational.
we're gathered as a people, God. We're not gathered as just individuals. We're gathered as your people. Thousands of years ago, Joshua stood in the same intersection, gathered as a people. God, will we have the courage, the willingness, the sacrifice to go against our culture? And we feel this tension today, God, that the, that the people of Israel felt when Joshua said, you can't serve the God, he's a, he's a jealous God. And, and they say, no, we will. And we feel that tension. And this is why we pray in this moment, God, because you know our imperfections. You know our frazzledness. You know our, 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 uh, how we're fragile. And, and you know, God, that we're, we're just cluttered. You know we're pulled in every direction. And so we end today, God, at the most visible, iconic monument of all of human history, the cross of Jesus Christ who came not to be served, but to serve. And we voice, God, the reality of our confession. Apart from you, God, we can do nothing. There is this choice of heart, God, this choice of allegiance to say, God, I have decided, we have decided to follow Jesus. But that choice of allegiance cannot end there, God, because in and of ourselves, you know, just like in ancient times, what we are disposed to. So we call on you for the power of the Holy Spirit at the foot of the cross of Christ. We crucify ourselves. We crucify our independence. We crucify our individualism. We crucify our, our hypersensitivity. We crucify our, our clutter, God. We crucify our technology. We crucify all the things that would keep us away. We crucify our, the pain of our past. We crucify relationships that may be dented or bruised or super painful. We crucify all that, God, before you and ask for the power to serve you wholeheartedly. God, we can't do it on our own. We want to be serious about this, Father. And if we're serious, we seriously come to you and ask for your strength. It is really only then, God, that we're going to find true meaning in life. It truly is, it, it is where we find our purpose so many of us, if not all of us, know the feeling of having one set of tires on the road and one set of tires off the road, and, and it is not how you've designed us to be. So here we are, Father, your people, wanting to do more together. Help us to build a wall of, of allegiance, to speak to ourselves, to encourage, to inspire others find the meeting and serving together our great God. We thank you, God, for followers of Christ. We thank you, God, for searchers of Christ. 
those who came to be with us to, to, together, all together. And like everyone in this room who is a follower of Christ, who was once a searcher of Christ, today we're reminded of the greatest monument of all of human history, the cross of Jesus, where you died for our sins to absorb our brokenness and our past so that we can come to you as searchers and be transformed into followers. Are you searching for God today? God loved you so much and loves you so much, he sent his son to die on a cross for you. Listen carefully. It's not religion that will get you in right relationship with God if you're looking for God today. It is not straightening out your behavior and becoming good enough. It is coming to Christ in your brokenness and saying, Christ, there is, there is never a way for me to be good enough to have a relationship with you. Therefore, I completely depend on what you did as a gift on the cross of Christ, and I embrace it. And here's my heart, God, to be allegiant to you. Is that your prayer today? Searcher of God, is that your prayer today? That you'd come to him just as you are. He knows you fully. He loves you fully. He's known you all of your life before you took your first breath. He waits for you. Would you come to him today? Father, thank you so much for the love that you have for us, for including us in your mission. And today, God, together, as we want to do more for you, to, for the assignment you've given us together, God, we end this time in worshiping you and in our hearts, we say, I have decided to follow Jesus. We pray it in his name.